Guys, welcome back. This is Jordan Patrick from the Jordan Patrick Sports Podcast. Thank you very much for your patience, guys, dealing with everything that's going on right now in this world. We actually used to be, we were formerly known as Third and Long. We are switching the podcast name to the Jordan Patrick Podcast. This is based on some recommendations from my uh, counterparts, Richie and Elliot. We think it'll just kind of separate ourselves from the the rest of the podcast community, just to give us some kind of uh, personal identity. Identity. We were uh, kind of isolating ourselves with Third and Long to a football podcast. I, th- I feel like uh, it's going to benefit us more if we uh, go with the Jordan Patrick podcast just so we can cover all angles. We cover all sports, uh, NBA, baseball, and football, so this is kind of going to help us out for brand awareness as well. So, guys, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Richie, Elliot, how are you guys doing? Good, man. Hanging in. You know, doing what we can around the house. I just welcomed my second son, so I've been sleeping minimally and, you know, hanging out around the house. But Yeah, that's another thing, man. I, I you know, we started, uh, our last podcast was actually Super Bowl Sunday, and I, uh, I was buying a house at that time. A week later, I was supposed to close, and then a week after that, Elliot had his son, his second son. So, it was uh, we had a lot going on, and then COVID happened. So, I don't want to get too much into that, but a lot was going on, and uh, you know we're glad to be back on the mics. Uh, Rich, how, how you been, buddy? No complaints. Very happy uh, welcoming Elliot's son, my godson, into the world. Uh, it's been fun, you know. Been spending some time with Elliot, and we were both very much looking forward to getting back here and uh, revisiting our project here. So uh, just very excited and thankful, you know, uh, COVID's a serious thing, but you know, I think it puts things in perspective and a uh, good time for us to come together and uh, see things for what they're worth and uh, you know. And I think that's what we're doing. We're, we're obviously keeping our, our six foot distance from each other now as we do this podcast uh, and just kind of, you know, respecting the issue at hand, but we also need to get back into sports. We need to get back to some form of normalcy, and, and we want to bring that to you guys as well. So obviously last night was the first round of the NFL draft, and we have a lot to talk about, guys. I mean, there's no sports that are actually happening at the moment, um, but we can still you know enjoy the NFL draft and, and still dis- discuss some baseball and some basketball. Um, guys, how do you feel about the NFL draft? I mean, obviously the top five picks – might have went the way that you thought they, they were going to, but what were some surprises that, that caught you off guard or, or, or did everything go exactly how you thought it was going to? Uh, being a Giants fan, I myself initially was disappointed with the Andrew Thomas pick, and not because I don't think Andrew Thomas is a very versatile lineman. Me and uh, a mountain of other Giant fans really wanted Isaiah Thomas. Oh, my God. Simmons. <laughs> Simmons. Simmons. It's all right, man. Hey, they're all new to us, right? Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas. I know Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Simmons together. Nobody wants Isaiah Thomas on their football team. No, didn't want him in my front office for basketball either. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's get back to that. Um, Andrew Thomas, very versatile offensive lineman. I'm not going to lie, I was seething for about an hour, but the thing is, I saw a lot in Isaiah Simmons that reminded me of Lawrence Taylor, his skill set. Me as well. I think, uh, not to interrupt you, Rich, just to jump on board here, I thought that was the right pick at the time. I told you that before the draft started. Simmons was the pick for you guys, in my opinion, but continue on. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, Thinking about it, though, looking at the previous two drafts, we invested in a quarterback last year, obviously Saquon Barkley, our superstar running back. And I feel that if you're not 
pushing the line and fixing what's in front of your skill players, it's all for naught. So I think it was a safe move. A little conservative, but a safe move. And what I do like is that this kid can play both sides of the line. And you also got to take into account playing in the SEC. He was seeing NFL-ready players. So in terms of being NFL-ready, I think this kid by year two will be looking like a grizzled veteran. Do you think he's going right or left? Because as he pointed out, he played both sides in college. Not that uncommon for linemen as they develop. But where do you see him fitting in? I think initially, just to get him up to NFL game speed, he will be playing on the right side. And, you know, we do have a veteran in Nate Solder playing on the left. Solder is um, kind of like in a make-or-break situation. Uh, you know, from a personal level, he had some issues health-wise with his young kid. Thankfully, uh, his family and the child are doing much better, which is great. But I do believe that uh, Solder is going to be totally committed to football. So I have a feeling... In time, he will find his way to the left side. But right now, they're going to put him on the right, unless if Solder underperforms, and then they'll probably cross that bridge when they get there. So now, do you think, out of the offensive tackles uh, that were available, uh, was it your best option at the time? Did your front office do their job? Um, yes. Because, like I already stated, him playing in the SEC, I think he was just more game-ready. I'm not going to say that he's the most athletic, by any means because I really believe that uh, you can say that maybe two other guys that play his position were more athletic. I Je think Jedrick Wills? Yeah, Jedrick Wills uh, when you see a man jumping out of uh, a pool of water which is not no easy task that speaks volumes on uh, athleticism. his athleticism. Yeah, for sure. But what I do like about Thomas is that I feel that he just has a nose for pass blocking and run blocking for that matter and as I stated playing in that conference in college football it's the closest thing to being pro ready so I do believe that he will be ready. But you had the kid from Alabama available too um, blanking on his name but he Jedrick Wills that's who yeah 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 so why go for Thomas over over him what's the appeal do you think? Um, I think it's just uh more consistency in terms of his situation personally. Just more consistent starts. And I and I also think that part of it is the fact that he has played on both sides of the line. I think that's what puts him over. Because he's capable of playing both sides of the line whereas a lot of these kids coming out predominantly only play the right side. And I do think that that was part of the appeal for the Giants. Now, just to segue a little bit, was there any kind of surprise that Joe Burrow went first. I mean, obviously he was going first. He's a Cincinnati guy, uh, or I'm sorry, he's an Ohio guy. He went to Cincinnati. To me, it was no surprise, but to you guys and to our listeners, was it any surprise at all? I mean, No, no surprise. That was a no-brainer for them. 3% of the country felt like it was a surprise, but I, I really, I mean, you're, you're trying Ohio to be. Ohio kid, man. Yeah, come on. Like, it's yeah, a no-brainer, right? Yeah. There's, you're just trying to be, like, are they just Arguably trying to be the contrarian? Best college quarterback performance of all time at least statistically um yeah leader you know has proven adaptability going from ohio state to lsu uh, it, it's a win on all all fronts i question a little bit how he's going to adapt to the nfl game but it was the right pick nonetheless yeah i think uh, the 
social pressure was there to, to make that pick, but it's the it's the correct pick. If they don't make that pick, it's the biggest flub in the history of the NFL. Well, if it I ends mean, up succeeding. It, if but, they didn't take Burrow, they would have probably taken Young. You got to imagine, right? Yeah, of course. That's, how's that going to help them compared to having a franchise that's, quarterback? That's exactly right. That's, that's not what they need at the moment. Now, to speak on what you just said about Burrow coming from Ohio State and transferring to LSU, the top three picks, Chase Young and Akuda, also came from Ohio State. So technically, Burrow, Young, and Akuda came from Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I mean, not not technically, but in a sense, they did. Um, how do you feel about that, L? Being a Gator fan, is that? Does that kind of chap your ass a little bit? I mean, is that kind not of not at all? No, no, no. Ohio State. I mean, they they have a long history of turning out great athletes and great players. Um, some of them don't pan out. You look at their quarterback history. Yeah, it's oh, been yeah. a little suspect. But I mean, uh, there there's no debating the skill level of all those players. Um, but the, the, there's been some misses. You know, Zeke's a great player, but there's uh, Eli Apple for every Zeke out there, too. So. That's very true. Thank you, Giants. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So they're, they're, they're a, a national powerhouse for a reason, man. They get some of the best players in the country uh, consistently. Ohio State is always, always up there, man. It, it, they are definitely stacked. What, what were you going to say, Rich? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Jump in. No, you're good. Touch it on Ohio State. There was a lot of controversy last year, particularly amongst the Giant fans, that were frustrated that we didn't draft Haskins and instead went with Jones. But, you know, one year doesn't tell the story. But I do believe that uh, Jones is a more accomplished quarterback already. And one thing that I think, particularly with that position, that people should take into consideration, you got programs like Bama, Ohio State, they have the blessings of playing with five-star athletes on offense where I feel that a guy like Jones kind of learned adversity and being put in more adverse situations because, let's face it, Duke is not a football factory. It's a basketball factory. But where I feel that Jones... Very well said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think where Jones comes in and is that he has the brain to play the game and he's been in those adverse situations, whereas you're playing with a bunch of blue chippers, you get a rude awakening in the NFL and... Um, you know, Haskins is not even guaranteed to start in Washington. They got a new head coach in Ron Rivera, bringing in his man, Josh Allen, who last year got meaningful playing time when Cam Newton was injured. So I don't think Haskins is a sure thing to even start in Washington. Yeah, he, that's a great uh, conversation as well. Haskins just, he, he still might tra- not translate very well into the NFL at all. Like, it still might not work out for him. Uh, but it's going to be fun to watch Burrow, I think, just because the hype around him. Uh, and, and Cincinnati has nobody else, so they're gonna they're gonna shine the light on that kid early. Yeah, it could be a lot of trial and error. It could be it could be tough. Is I mean, where do we think the Bengals are at? You know, is he gonna take a pounding and have one of those confidence crushing years that a lot of these first round quarterbacks have had? It could certainly. Or go yeah, I mean, could, my we... my fear for him is that uh, I fear that he could turn into another David Carr, taking mm-hmm. too many beatings, and. Um, you know, not really blossoming and running into his full potential. And, you know, I've spoken to a couple of people about this. Might not be the most popular opinion. I think Justin Herbert actually has the best chance of having the most longevity. I mean, we are all aware of uh, Tua's athletic prowess, but, you know, he's been injured quite a bit. And um, I do believe that the Chargers, when given the top three teams that took quarterbacks, are in the best position 
moving forward to be competitive? To be competitive, yes. As far as the number one pick, it's, it's got to be Burrow with Cincinnati. But is Cincinnati going to do anything? That was Elliot's question. No, I still don't think so. They're not going to be relevant. It's mm-hmm. not Burrow's not going to thrust them into, into some sort of relevance. But Herbert is going to put uh, LA, the L.A. Chargers into some form of competitiveness, whereas uh, Tua is not going to do that for Miami. And that's if he can even start, which he might not even start, and if he can stay healthy. So I, I don't see that being the best pick. I would have taken Herbert before Tua, and that's not a popular that's, opinion. Well, that, yeah, that is the question. So you think Herbert should have gone to the Dolphins? You think they would have been better? I do. I'm going to yeah. disagree respectfully because, one, you still got Rosen and Fitzpatrick. Tua yep. does not have to be rushed into it. Also, the Dolphins, unlike, say, Cincinnati, have stockpiled so many draft picks. I mean, they have, what, three first-round really picks? They have a lot. Yeah, you don't on. see that very often so anymore. they're going to build, and, and they've been spending a free agency, um, questionably, in my opinion. But, you know, they they have time on their side to build this team around that kid and let him get healthy. That's if we even start the season on time. But That's another factor as well. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Roger Goodell does this and handles this. Um, you know, you have to be uh, socially aware of what's going on as, uh, you know, and, and he's, I think he's kind of doing a, a good job with this draft. I think he did a great job with it, actually, considering the circumstances. It could have been a real shit show, and it turned out okay. You gotta make. I, I enjoyed it. You gotta make lemonade out of lemons. I'm not the biggest Roger Goodell fan, but I will say that I think he did well. Elliot brought to my attention, even with you know the simulated booing. You know that's a good sense of humor, <laughs> and it's kind of funny because let's face it, he's not the most popular commissioner. He's definitely not the NFL has ever had. But last thing, touching on these quarterbacks, I found it interesting, but I also called this pick that the uh, Green Bay Packers were going to go with Jordan Love. And I could see Aaron Rodgers seething about this because, you know, he's at, I wouldn't say the twilight of his career. Oh, fuck. It's all good. Don't worry about it. It's no worries at all. So, so you honestly were on the same page as Mel Kuyper because he saw this coming. He yes. saw Jordan Love coming. I did not. I only I pegged two teams to take this kid. And I was Where else does say he fit? Yeah, go ahead. The New England Patriots with the recent departure of Tom Brady. Makes sense, yeah. And I do believe that because Green Bay took this kid, that's why New England traded back and they took themselves out of the first round. Interesting. That's a good theory. I mean, honestly, I think he's going to do well. But is it going to be something that uh, – is it is it the right move for Green Bay that round? Yeah. Roger, you think so? I think so. I mean, yeah, they're going to piss off Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Yeah, give, give your guy some love, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But my side of it. But Love is a project. He, he's, you know, no pun intended here, but it's definitely a project. He's not one of these quarterbacks they're expecting to start immediately. Yeah. So they're letting Aaron Rodgers know, like, hey, we're going to go get some dudes for you, but yeah. this is your guy in the future. Bring him along, just like, you know, you had to sit on the bench and do your time. We're not replacing you. Yeah. Um, get ready. Get this kid ready to succeed you, and because that'll be a part of your legacy. Like it, a lot of the great quarterbacks have a history of either showing the new kid the light or not. So his legacy can be cemented even better if he really teaches this kid and takes him under his wing. Another thing too is that he has to take into consideration that this kid was drafted similarly under the same circumstances that he was drafted when Brett Favre, who is a three-time NFL MVP. Not too many quarterbacks could 
hang that. Not too many quarterbacks can hang that. And that's and I think that's why he will be a good. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? He'll 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 bring him. He'll be a good mentor to right. this kid. You know, he's going to do a great job with it because he was there once and he sat. I think he sat behind Far for four years, right? Four or five years. I think it was four. But either way, he he knows the ropes and he knows what he is going to be. He knows what's going to be asked of him to do. So I think, yeah, he may be pissed and he does need some uh, some protection. But you know, it could work out. To the, they're taking a shot on Love. Jordan Love is definitely a, a swing for the fences, but it could work out in their favor. And I think it's, I don't know, it was definitely a surprise to me. I didn't see it coming, but it, it could work out. It really could. Also have to consider a new regime. I mean, at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers was Mike McCarthy's quarterback. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, whenever you get a new regime, I mean, I, I don't think there'll be too many head coaches that would not want to work with Aaron Rodgers, but you still have to think about tomorrow. I mean, even Belichick, going back a few years ago, was very high on Jimmy Garoppolo, who recently played in a Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, he wasn't very happy when Kraft decided to ship him out. Lo and behold, Tom Brady is now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. You know, so it, it's, it's very important, even though quarterback is the most important position on the field, to think about tomorrow because that's how teams stay relevant as opposed to having those dips. Because it is the most important position on the field, especially in today's game where it's oh, offensive-driven. Absolutely. absolutely. And now before we get into Tom and, and Gronk coming back out of retirement, uh, I just want to touch on Dallas's pick. That's Elliott's team. Uh, New York's pick we already jumped on a little bit. And uh, just the Jaguars' first-round pick as well. Uh, El, go ahead, man. How, how, are you, uh, how are you coping with it? Or are you, are you, are you okay <laughs> no, with it? Or are you loving it? Yeah, right. exactly. How are, you, how are you feeling? So first, first I got to say condolences to Dak Prescott and his family. I don't know if you guys heard. He lost his brother last night. Or, or Yeah. I heard briefly. I didn't know that. Yeah, it, okay. Unconfirmed about the cause of death and all that stuff. Doesn't really matter. Point is, you know, no one should have to lose family that young. Yeah, um, so, you know, our condolences. Um, but as, as far as the pick goes, I love it. I love it. I mean, did we was that our position to need? Definitely not as far as first round goes. But he was by far the best player available. Um, CeeDee Lamb, I mean, we had him slotted as sixth best player. Arguably the best receiver in the draft. Definitely arguable. But um, that's a great pickup. That, that makes it scary. There was, Offense. there was talks that he was going to Atlanta, I think. And can you imagine having Ridley and, and CeeDee Lamb? And who's the other? Uh, Julio. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> I forget the most yeah. important yeah, yeah. receiver. Yeah, because yeah. you're thinking about building blocks. And <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about a Hall like, of Famer they got. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it would have been a, a great fit there. But you guys really, I think you stole it. Man. I CD, said that. CeeDee was, uh, what, what, when did, what round did, or what pick was it? 17. 17. So That's they said, a steal. They said 16. He was was the last resort. Like so, that that's exactly right. You guys got a deal there by one, by one pick. It, so. Specifically for what we need too, because given his size and athleticism, he's an ideal slot player. He'll come right in and replace Randall Cobb's production. Um, What's his forty time? That I don't know off the top of my head, but I know he's fast. Nasty, I know he's a game breaker, man. Like he nasty. he has yak potential through the wazoo. Like he is dangerous with the ball. I think it works for you guys. I mean, I wouldn't be too happy with it, but I think it works for you guys. Um, you know, and my Jags too. We gotta with the uh, mass exodus of my team. You guys have to have some sort of feel some sort of pity for me, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, 
I'm used to pity. I'm a Jaguar fan, but you know, we lost. Uh, I wouldn't even say lost, but the whole team is gone. I mean, my favorite player, Calais Campbell. Uh, you could start the whole defensive side of the ball. We had the best cornerback in the league. Uh, we're even losing. We're even losing uh, AJ Bouye, from what I heard. I mean, there's a whole Leonard Fournette's up in, in discussion the last two weeks for being gone. This is a complete rebuild. Yannick Lejoku as well. I'm, yeah, Ngakwe. Yeah, unique Ngakwe. I'm not a He's, Jags fan. But I got you. I'll handle it. Yeah, it's no big deal. I don't think I've ever seen a team go from contention to rebuild without retirements being the main issue like yeah it's i've never seen too. a team fall apart that quickly me either and it's and it's it seems to be my team whether it's basketball baseball or football <laughs> but it's uh it sucks seeing jalen ramsey go um and then that's what really started the whole you know trickle down it just kind of rolls downhill and uh calais leaving and uh you know aj bouye possibly going and and it's tough, man. Rich, do you think it's Coughlin kind of cleaning house? Well, the thing was, Coughlin cleaned the house before they cleaned Coughlin of his duties. Because the thing is, I feel that Coughlin's a great football mind. Obviously, he's done great for Jacksonville in his first tenure. He won bowls with the Giants. But I feel that his message from the up to coming down to Marone just wasn't being heard as well and received as well of today's players. And... The thing is, I really like Gardner Minshew. I also think that Marone is a very, very good coach. Because, you know, watching a lot of Jaguar games last year, despite their hardships, I feel that they competed in most games they played. And I, despite the roster turnover, I don't necessarily feel that they're that far off the track. I just think it's more about figuring out their identity because you're talking about a team that's two years removed from a title game. Exactly right. Now, but to, to your statement right here, is Minshew going to – is he a, uh, uh, a franchise quarterback? No. I mean, he's not the answer. But he started out – he came out red hot and then fizzled off pretty drastically. Uh, but back to the back to the draft pick. Well, go I ahead. I'm to, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Let me just interject. Yeah, You please. guys, your second pick – we'll get to C.J. Henderson in a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But – the kid from LSU, that was who everyone expected Dallas to get, and you ended up with him. Uh, yeah, Chase on. Mm-hmm. Awesome pick. My brother yeah. and I talked about this. I'm actually really, really, really happy with this pick. And it's so underrated, and it could be, it could be a dog shit pick. I don't know. This is, nah. this is the fun part of a draft, uh, but to talk about it. But Chase on, I think, is going to be a stud for us. But uh, let's jump back to Henderson real quick, though. He went ninth um, from Florida. Elliot, touch on this just Big a bit. Fan. This Big is a fan. huge problem for the Jaguars, though. We, we do this quite often where we pick Florida players and they just don't Like develop. Dante Fowler. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the list is, yeah. I think, at least three long, maybe four long, where it's just complete disappointment. I think you got a winner in Henderson. I do think nine is a little high for him, given his position. I do, too. Um, but he's a great player. He's lockdown coverage. Tackling needs some work. He's also pretty adaptable. He changed positions at least once after an injury um, throughout his college career. So he he's smart, great coverage corner. I mean, he's he's locked down, dude. He, yeah. and, and he makes plays. He takes gambles, but he's not reckless. You know, he, he makes a, smart plays on the ball. He's a damn good player. Mm-hmm. The the film they showed, even just last night in the draft, I was pretty impressed. Uh, being a Florida fan as well. 
I'd be lying if I, I'm saying I'm not happy about it, but it's it's a it's a mistake. It's a common mistake that we make where we get just too hyped up to keep him in the state. And uh, I hope he develops and, and and does well for us and fills that that Jalen Ramsey void. But um, you know, I guess time will tell. And that's you know that's that's what's tricky about this whole scenario. But was it the right decision? I don't I don't know. I don't know. I see it as kind of a necessary pick because if you look at the people that won in front of him. You guys, at least for the foreseeable future, have a quarterback that you may be able to build around. Yeah. And, you know, the premier pass rushers, the top two, were kind of gone. Um, and, you know, like I said, you didn't need a quarterback. I feel that he was a necessary pick because, like I said, your best player for the most part of the last couple of years was traded. And, you know, once again, offensive-driven league. Here's where it gets tricky, though. You need we, that corner. We need everything, though. We need everything, man. It's not that we need a corner. It's not that we need a defensive end. It's not that we need. A, you got a punter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we need everything, and that's why I was almost okay with any pick we made. I might be off base and maybe a little too faithful in what your team is capable of doing this year, but in the South, personally, I'm going to go ahead and say I like the Colts this year. I'm not going to get all into it why I do, but. Okay, the Titans made a mark in the playoffs last year. They also lost their best offensive lineman. And I was a little perturbed that they really gave Ryan Tannehill that kind of contract and money when he played half a season. You know? They were begging for Tannehill to come back, though. I'm so. kind of curious. I'm kind of curious if uh, that was just smoke and mirrors. You know, Derrick Henry coming off a great year, but he takes a lot of punishment. He does, but... Mariota's not the answer. There were fans I met that uh, just blatantly told me, like, why are we not bringing Tannehill in? And this is week six. Like, I mean, we see the mess in Houston. Or week five, maybe. I don't know. You know. Yeah, and Houston's a disaster now, too. You got. So when I think about that, I said, the Jaguars can very well compete in that division. That's what everybody said last year, too. It's interesting uh, how to to watch this unfold is going to be fun. But yeah, we are going to be competitive, I think. Indianapolis is is probably the front runner in my opinion as well. I, the I most the most talent sits there. They have the most talent, but I don't buy in on a, a aged Philip Rivers. I really don't, man. I they got no, a great team around him though, which yeah, will help. They got a heck of an O line. They do. They very much do. I think but they you have start the most potential strength. It's the same issue with Brady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great, great quarterbacks. They're going to make the right reads, but the arm goes. The knowledge is there. I think that's what's going to extend the furthest for Indianapolis. The AFC South is such a horrible, horrible division right now, and it's just it's embarrassing to be a part of it. But it is what it is, man. And I think Richie's on the right path here, saying that Indianapolis is going to is going to be the front runner at the end of the year. But just based on bringing Phillip in there and uh, the talent that they already had established is going to to be their success. But I will say this ahead of time. Barring massive injuries or just terrible luck, I do think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to repeat. As I repeat, I say repeat, and yes, I was the only one who picked them to win the Super Bowl in our inaugural podcast. That's all. (laughs) That's a fact. Yeah, I think uh, in that podcast, yeah, we made a couple predictions earlier, though. I remember that in the year. I think, who'd you take? Who'd you take? I think I have that in my phone somewhere. Uh, We'll have to dig that up. Yeah, I believe I took the Saints, and uh, yeah. We'll have to dig that up, though. I think I I chose San Francisco, but uh, we're going to actually take a quick break real quick. We'll just kind of recap, regroup real quick, and uh, we're going to get back in and talk about Tom Brady 
and Gronk coming out of retirement, guys. So hang in there with us, and, and thanks for joining us again. I know it's been a while, but we hope to bring this to you guys, you know, weekly, maybe even bi-weekly at the, at the very latest. Um, we just, we're excited to be back, and we're excited to have you guys back. So we're going to take a, a quick break, and uh, we'll be back with you guys shortly. Well, guys, thanks. Welcome back. Uh, we're going to jump right into it, get into it with Tom Brady and Gronk. We want to get uh, your opinion on it if you guys, um, we want to see how you feel. And uh, honestly, I think the right decision for New England was to let go of Tom Brady and move on. Uh, he and Belichick were ready to, to, to part ways. The interesting thing here that a lot of people saw coming, Gronk coming out of retirement. Elliot, um, what do you think about Tom going to Tampa to start? Well, let's, let's start there. What's your opinion on that? Is it the right move? I think it is. What's your opinion? Where do you stand on this? I mean, I don't think it's a move they could have passed up if Tom Brady says he's willing to play for you. Uh, just from a marketing standpoint, they had to do it, you know? Um, he pitched I, himself to Tampa. I'm not sure if you guys know that. Didn't know that. He pitched himself to Tampa. I, I have questions about his fit with that team. Obviously, they're trying to, to work with him, build around it. But, for instance, Mike Evans stretches the field, man. You know, he's he's good on the long ball. Brady and any quarterback. He's got the height, with, too. He's got the height. The thing that goes with time is arm strength. You yeah. know, he, he can't throw the deep ball. And it was never like, other than the Moss years, he wasn't slinging long long passes. And, and Yeah, that's not news. He, he's not a – he's very much a, a dump route quarterback. Right. So, so you know – other than seeing him in a different system, and Bruce Arians, again, another vertical-oriented guy, I just wonder about the fit overall at his age and his point in his career, if it's going to live up to the hype. I, yeah. don't, I don't know if he, he can. He has the wide receivers to do it. Now, let's, let's do it. Now, something with Gronk, how do you feel about that? I mean, is that tight end position already just too crowded there with, with, with Brait and, uh, and, and Howard, or is it? What happens here? Same thing, man. I mean, you don't you don't pass on Gronk. Gronk says he wants to play for you. You take him. Correct. Yeah. Um, Howard has been a real suspect for them. They've they've been, I think, looking to move on from him anyway. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him dealt either in tonight's draft or you know down the line. I think he's going to get moved on. Yeah, there, there are going to be moves tonight that are they might come as a surprise, but you have to know. Round two, there's going to be moves that are that are going to be made that are going to. But I will say, even if they do hold on to him, sorry to cut you off, but even if they do hold on to him, it's not the worst thing. You think about Gronk's last few years; he doesn't play the full season. But eight games is his average. <laughs> you know, injury prone. So the definition of it. So having extra tight ends, if you can afford to, with your roster space. That's that's not a, a horrible move for them at and all. And if you need blocking tight ends, which they now might. Um, you know, I'm not saying Gronk's a bad blocker. I'm just saying, you know, he's not always healthy. So let's see how this pans out. Maybe that's a good thing to keep uh, three of them on the roster. I don't know. I don't know that that's going to happen, but I don't think it'll get that far. But it might. It might. Rich, what do you think? What do you think about Tom? How do you like the fit? Um, I kind of agree with Elliot on some of it. The pros, uh, simply, he's going to take better care of the football because – you're talking about a potent offense, but their quarterback had 30 touchdowns, 30 INTs last year. Exactly. Jameis Winston. Um, on the flip, they were able to score a lot of points because Jameis can get the ball down the field. I think in Tom's case, um, they're going to kind of adjust their game plan more towards him. I mean, I still think you know certain play action situations, he'll be able to get it down there. 
might not be the prettiest pass that it used to be, but I don't see them going downfield as frequently. Um, they do have a very underrated defense, ninth in the league in sacks last year, actually tied with New England. And an interesting stat on that team was that they were 13th all-time against the run. On, I think it was like 2.6 yards a carry, which is pretty phenomenal because you wouldn't like consider them when you think about great defenses or even a faction of what a defense does. But to your question... Definitely not top 10, no. I, right. I think uh, it's an upgrade. In some ways, it's almost a Band-Aid. Um, They're all in, though. No? Yeah. yeah they are. I yeah. think so. I looked at that on paper, and I'm like, this is it, man. This is all you guys got. You're giving it everything. You're bringing in Gronk. This is it. I mean, you saw his eroding skills last year towards the end of his New England tenure. He's not the same quarterback he was. Not saying that he can't have kind of like a resurrection, but I don't think that he's going to make that kind of impact where this team is going to be a Super Bowl threat. I, I think that's a little overblown because of the hype. The offensive line, I'm sorry, L, the offensive line in Tampa is going to be a wake-up call too. He's going to need to be, in his, in his 43 years of age, he's going to need to be awfully sprightly. I can't think of a better <laughs> word, but he's going to be on your toes, man, because that offensive line is not going to help him that much. One thing that he's always had to his game that's a strength is that he's always had a, a quick enough release, and he's very good at uh, reading a defense at the point of attack. I think that's something that's always preserved him. And, you know, one thing I will say, he doesn't fumble the ball a lot, even when he does get his butt kicked. But not the biggest fan of the move, but at the same time, given that he was pitching himself to that organization, I think it's a no-brainer that you take him. It's a short-term deal. And it gives you stability that they didn't have. One thing about him that I will say, he's going to demand more commitment and more professionalism in terms of just From that organization, yeah. From all the other individuals that... Uh, you know, he needs results from. Yeah. And Arians is a very good coach. It'll Absolutely. be interesting. Yeah, he's a hell of a coach. Yeah. And it gives Brady a chance to shake that, that critique that he was a product of Belichick's system. That was you my know? next point. Yeah, exactly. Who's going to prove themselves? Who's, uh, who's going to do better apart from each other? They, let's say, let's just map this over the next two to five years. Let's just say two years, the contract that Brady got. Let's just map it over two years. Who does better in the next two years? Brady or Belichick. And I know it's apples and oranges because one's a head coach and he has a lot more to deal with than, than Brady does. But I think the expectations are different. I don't think anyone's expecting the Patriots to be contenders immediately, whereas the Bucks are now put in a position where if they're not... Kind of the Browns of last year? Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah very yeah, much so. agency champs. Uh, eight and eight's not good enough. Agreed, yeah. So I guess you're right. The, the, the level, the bar, the level of the bar is set completely different for Tampa than it is for New England. However, I feel like all the, I don't know. I feel like they both need, I, they needed this. Brady needs to move on. He needs a chance to prove himself. He has the weapons to do so. He does not have the offensive line to do it. But like Rich said, he has the defense. They might actually end up being pretty good. I and, mean. And the funny thing is with, with the whole Belichick-Brady comparison, like who's more responsible for the success it's a tough question because Belichick proved on a short sample size, okay, 2008, that he could win without Brady. That team won 11 games. They're the best team to not go to the playoffs. But then on the flip side, if you look at during the Belichick regime, the years that they didn't make the playoffs, only one of those years Brady played. 2000 was with Drew Bledsoe. They were 5-11. and 11. This is literally the year before the dynasty started. Yeah. 
2002, in between their three first Super Bowls, uh, they did, just didn't make the playoffs of Brady. They lost on the tiebreaker. In 08, Brady got hurt. They had a respectable season. I mean, 11 games is a season to be proud of. Very rare an 11-win team doesn't make it. In their case, they didn't. But, you know, Belichick has a storied uh, resume in his own right. I mean, you know, former defensive coordinator for the Giants, two-time Super Bowl winner on, you know, very it's a tough great defense. It's a tough thing to argue. I'm just saying it's fun. Belichick has about. more shelf life because For sure, it, because yeah. coaches he could be around another 10 years. It's exactly, fun. where it's not they're not getting the bruises and the bumps. It's more of a mental wear. I just think it's fun to talk about. And I, I guess that's what everybody wants as well right now. But and a, and a large portion of this country wants Tom to fall on his face. Yes. And uh, I don't, I don't think it's gonna happen. That didn't change when he was with New England, though. I always felt that way, regardless. But uh, agreed. I just, I don't think, I don't see it happening. I think he will succeed in Tampa. I don't think they're gonna get to the Super Bowl, but they will definitely make the playoffs, in my opinion. Well, with the extra playoff spot now, that's another thing. You got uh, that too. That's whole other factor. Point. Whole other factor. You got two more teams in each conference that are gonna be able to get in now. You know, it's gonna be one through seven on each side, and only one. Seeded teams get a bye. So you have three wild card games now in each conference, which is going to make it interesting. Probably open up the door for more upsets, too. I'm sure the two seeded teams are not happy about losing out on that bye, but it's right. going to make the playoffs more interesting. It'll mix things up, and that's that's what it might need. So, but, uh, you know, honestly, only time's going to tell, and that's what's, that's what's fun about it. Um, and we'll see where this goes. We'll, we'll see, discuss uh, this much further moving forward, but. Just way ahead of it. I'm going to say that I think New England, despite losing Tom Brady, still have a stellar defense. I can see them winning eight games. Eight and eight. Um, now the Bucks, to be honest, I don't think they're going to be much off that record. They play in a very <clears throat> tough division because, you know, Carolina's uh, a wild card there that they can surprise some people. Not to mention that the NFC is the stronger conference now. It hadn't been for a while, but I think Brady moved to the NFC when it is a stronger conference. That's going to be a little tough as well. So this is not a fair question, but I'm going to ask it. Who performs better, New England or Tampa, this year? Um, I got to give Tampa a slight edge. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, they're the more talented team, particularly on offense right now. But I don't think the difference is going to be more than two games. I'm going to say yeah, New, I, that's fair. New England goes 8-8 eight and eight at best, 6-10 and ten at worst. I'm going to pick New England go 8-8. Eight and eight. I'm going to say Tampa, the ceiling is 10 games. I'm going to pick them to go 9-7. and seven. Uh, Best result for you, Al. Ceiling for Tampa, ceiling for New England. Yeah, about the same ballpark. I think Tampa wins no more than 10 games. Cause as, as Richie and you pointed out, tough division. Very. You know, New Orleans, Carolina, I think is going to bounce back in a hurry. Um, New Play- England, I think, will surprise people. My, my argument in this is Brady has more to prove than Belichick. Because what have you heard the last few years? Everyone talks about Brady, but the Patriots have been relying on their defense the last half a decade. Pretty great uh, defense overall. Pretty which, great. I, I mean, last year's proof that it couldn't take them the distance because they had an excellent defense. And without the offense performing at that level, they, they weren't as good. But No receivers, yeah. I mean, it, no structure, no a lot of, a lot of issues there. I think... New England is going to fizzle out. I agree with Rich. It might go to 8-8. Eight and eight. I think it's going to be a 7-9 and nine scenario, maybe even, maybe even a little bit worse. The ceiling would definitely be 8-8 eight and eight for me for, for New England. 
And same kind of thing. Tampa makes the playoffs, but they finish 10-6. and six. And uh, that, that's it for me. That's where I would, that's where I would say I just, it. Well. I mean, with the Patriots, I don't know, man. The AFC, everyone's ready to anoint the Bills as the new leader of the AFC East. And I'm sorry, I just don't have faith in them. They were excellent last year and a surprising team. Who did they pick up that was so pronounced and everybody was waking up on the Bills this year in the offseason? Well, Stephon Diggs. There you go. That's who it was. Massive pickup. Minnesota. Going to be opposite John Brown. That's, that's a nice pickup. Beautiful pickup. But that you need a lot more than that, man. Their quarterback has to get better. It's that simple. He, he in my opinion, cost him that playoff game last year. But this is the thing with New England that I find interesting is that despite you know losing Tom Brady, Grant come out of retirement trading him, they only lost Van Noy on defense, so not a massive loss there. You still got to take into consideration this team plays two games against the Dolphins, two games against the Jets, that certainly are not pegged to be much better than New England, even with their losses. Super soft, yeah. And, you know, if New England can, let's say, sweep both those teams, a split with Buffalo wouldn't be inconceivable, and that's five wins right there. So yeah. who knows? I mean... You're right. It could be... That could be why they are better than 8-8, eight and eight, and Elliott is, uh, is on the right path here, but... They've won ugly the last couple of years. That's something that they've actually got very consistent with. They win ugly, but... You know, touching on the Tom Brady thing, and this is where I think we all have a valid point that he's not the player he once was, is that, you know, you look at the drastic measures they made to try to get this guy more talent. Like, you take a flyer out on AB, um, which is not a Patriot-like move when you think about it because his behavior was all over the place. All over the place. I was, I was shocked when they took a chance on and him. Even, and even when you look at uh, Josh Gordon, who they've given 100 chances to, um, you know, they... They put their stock into low-character guys, and you would think after the Aaron Hernandez situation, they would have been more cognizant of this. Learn your lesson, yeah. You know, but they in that case, they were trying to find lightning in a bottle. It kind of blew up in their face. But when when you're trying to constantly give him, like, new toys to play with, it tells me that he's not the same guy he was because he can't win with what he's given. You know, so and, and in that regard, I, I do think that some of that has to be looked at I don't necessarily think it's like a legacy buster or anything like that because you can't take away what he's already done but you know the the young Tom Brady was winning championships with the likes of David Patton who was his best receiver last year uh has to be Edelman Edelman in the slot but Edelman in the slot's a little more of a safe safe receiver but who's his uh who's the uh Dorsett maybe yeah we're talking Philip Dorsett you know um I'm actually asking. I really don't know. I don't remember. That, that's that's part of it. Is that's that the fact that, that this isn't something that we would just know off the top of our of our brain? I mean, you know, they had a running back by committee. Yeah. But again, it goes back to the defense. I mean, my team played them last year on Thursday night football, and it carried them. But we're, it didn't. We were missing everybody, and we yeah. hung with them for a, for a half. That speaks volumes on what their offense didn't have. That's exactly right. The defense can get them only so far. Um, kind so, of the problem the Bears have. That's a whole other conversation. Um, but anyway, just want to jump into this real quick with uh, the MLB. And I want to get your, your thoughts on uh, how you guys think this is even feasible, if it's even possible, to make this happen, to salvage some sort of a season. El, uh, tell me what you, you think you might, uh, how you might feel. I know you're... Uh, Kind of on the back burner with baseball, but you, you know you've been listening, you've been picking up some some stuff. So, 
How do you think this is possible to, to kind of reignite this season and, and salvage some sort of a season? I'll tell you, I mean, first and foremost, there was a, a pretty interesting article on Sports Illustrated that basically kiboshed the whole thing for all sports. They said there's no way that any of these sports are going to be having games. Just the nature of it, you can't keep the players quarantined. Uh, it's not an issue of having the fans in the stadium. It's the contact between the players, baseball being the least problematic, and yet it's still an issue of if we're really concerned about this thing spreading from player to player, how are you going to track all that? Yeah. And it becomes incredibly invasive. So, you know, their opinion based on the medical experts they were interviewing is it's not happening this year. Um, and that's sad, but it's true. The testing is not uh, developed, it's not far enough along to be uh, effective enough to ensure that everybody's safety is their number one priority. Uh, you can keep the fans out of the stadium. Um, they were presenting, uh, playing in Arizona, having all 30 teams go to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Then they were talking about recently uh, splitting 15 teams in Florida, 15 teams in Arizona. There are all kinds of ideas that they're trying to throw against the wall and see if one of them sticks. I don't. Th- I, I'm not sure that it's possible to ask these players to quarantine themselves from their families, even the amount of money that they're getting paid. I don't think it's honestly going to happen. I don't think it's going to come to fruition. What, what I'd like to see them do, and I think I think the country really could do for some sports, like we're, we're clearly dying for it. We've talked about the last dance and you know everybody's re-watching great games from the past like this is a country that loves their sports yeah the resurgence for baseball if they if they just came out and you know gave us excuse me something would be wonderful it'd be such a huge resurgence for baseball huge when there's nothing else to compete baseball yes we talked about it in light of the uh, the astros scandal and how that could be positive this could be huge for exactly uh, resurrecting baseball so i would say like if even if they could wait and not even have a whole season if you could put together sort of like um Little League series kind of deal, but with the majors, you know, have a glorified tournament over yeah. a few weeks. That way, the players don't have to be quarantined for in an inordinate amount of time, but you still get to have some prime time baseball for people to watch. Now, and that's not a bad idea. I just, Rich, how do you feel about playing uh, 100 games, not 162 games, and having double headers twice a week? Do you feel as if this is fair to the players is it fine they're getting paid enough so just do it show up and play or is like how do you feel about it are injuries a concern as as much as i think they are how do you feel um well first and foremost if they're going to crank these double headers and i would say the ceiling would be closer to 120 if they do the their due diligence with two double headers a week yeah um yeah i think it's fair you know not to disrespect any of these players but they do make a handsome amount of money as far as uh, the regional thing goes, we're kind of breaking it up sort of like the way spring training does. I do think it could work out. Um, you know, the other option, if you're stretching it out to more games, is to possibly play into November and have maybe the World Series three or four weeks later than it normally has been. I mean... So now how do you feel about a neutral site uh, in the World Series? Obviously, you can't play a World Series in Yankee Stadium uh, in November, not saying you guys are going to make it, but, um, you know, how do you feel about that? Neutral site, is it, if it, 
ends up happening that way? Do you push it that far and, and play in, uh, you know, Florida, South Florida, you know, Central Texas? Where I mean, where do you play? How does that happen? You got to go warm weather, preferably indoors. But I will say that um, if they can at least get 100 to 110 games in, I think you just got to look at the season as a wash. Yeah. I do think that Agreed. in football's case, they're in a better position because even though, you know, you have your amount of experts who say that we might get another bash with, you know, what's going on in the country health-wise with the COVID. I do think that the second wave won't be as bad just because we've been dealing with it. And I think we're a little more hip to what we're dealing with moving forward. Um, And, you know, with the country reopening in the near future, this is going to be like, you know, to your point about, oh, players, you know, they can't be quarantined, this and that. But, you know, same could go for any of us who are working next to the next person. So I do think that... You know, precautions are going to be necessary, but I am optimistic that they can work with it. Yeah, agreed. I mean, you got to salvage some kind of uh, season if you can. You have to make an attempt at it if it's safe. If it's not safe, obviously it's going to be a wash, and you just got to write the yeah, season off. They, and that's they don't want to dilute it to the point where it can't be recognized in the same instance as previous in a, in a stat book, right? Uh, that's important. It's very important. Um, I just, uh, you know, it's tough. It's tough to kind of, uh, you have to worry about everybody's safety, whether it be the fans and the players, but you also have to try to, to put something on the record books. I mean, otherwise you're going to just, you're losing out on, on something I thought about and, and help me out here, guys, players with their contracts. If yeah. they're sitting on contracts and let's say it's the last year of their contract. And they're making big money, or it's their uh, their first year in their. Well, contract. they're working to make a big contract. Exactly right, or they need to make a, a name for themselves uh, to, in order to show up uh, on the radar next year, and they're not going to get to play this year. How does that transcribe? You know, how how does that unfold for these guys? What it, happens here? It's a very tough hit if it goes that way. Um, you know, we follow what we see, and that's the only way to truly have a definitive answer how this is going to play out. But it's new. It's unprecedented. Baseball is a obviously. summer sport, and you know the experts say that, you know, this virus may take a legitimate break in the warmer weather. And, Man, I, I really hope it does. And really putting hope. these teams in the most warm weather climates to kind of max out games. Forty man roster, very important. We talk about injuries. You wanna let these teams run with, I say, a forty man roster for the whole ride. So that way these guys don't get burned out, especially having to play all these double headers. I think that's only fair for this particular scenario. They got to run with a 40-man roster. Already. You have to. And then you have to keep everybody safe. You're, you're running a training staff, too, with each of these teams. Of you course. have to think about, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a scientist or a doctor by any means, but I just, you got to keep these guys safe. But I want sports back, man. And it starts with baseball, I think. There's a happy medium for sure that they're going to have to figure out. But I do think it's doable. And I will think, I do think there's going to be a season I just hope it's at least a uh, hundred games because anything less than that, I think it's a little too diluted. I agree. Yeah, it's not. It's not going to be recognized it, even by. Not that my opinion matters, but I would not recognize that as a regular season. No, I'd look at it as the '94 season, like it was a strike, and it it doesn't matter. It wouldn't matter to me. It, it just wouldn't be the same. So and I don't you know, know what the, the answer is. '94 strikes also carried into '95. That's right. They yeah. lost some games there too. Not quite to this Def- substantiality, but they did definitely not on this level. But it was, yeah, it was still affected. This is this is completely different from anything we've dealt with, obviously. But it'll be fun to see how they kind of handle this, and then we'll have a template for how we handle this going forward, I guess. Right? What do you guys think about the backlash if they tried to start it and end up having to shut it down? That's do you good. think that would be worse? 
than no. not doing it? No, I don't, honestly. And, and, and here's why. If you're making an effort to, to try and figure this out uh, and you fail, at least you tried. If you don't and you sit back and you just kind of, uh, you know, play armchair quarterback, I guess, for lack of a better term, and talk shit about what you could or couldn't have done, nobody's going to care. They're going to call you on that more. I think if you, I think if there are deaths or serious illnesses that come from, like let's say a bunch of players contract COVID because they come back, maybe so. It might, they might cut, catch a lot of flack from the general public. But I think overall, if they try, it's going to be respected. And then if they can pull out early enough and, and because they failed, it'll still be respected, I think. That's my opinion. I think they should try. I really do. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like with reopening the economy, though. It's, it's really tough to say, what's the threshold? How many infections are okay? Right. Like, because, you know, failure means too many people got infected, not mm-hmm. none. So where do you draw the line? Like, that's what they're trying to figure where out. Where do you draw the line? And at what point do you just you look at yourself and you say, we just have to take a risk? Because yeah. then are we not going to play in 2021? Are we not playing in 2022? When's base, I mean, our sport's not coming back at all. You have to take a risk at some point. So I think it's worth a try if the, if the risk is too – I mean, they're going to weigh those options. But if the uh, result is too negative, too much uh, right up front, they'll obviously pull the plug pretty early. They're, they have a bunch of very intelligent people working for them. Um, so they'll, they'll figure this out. I hope they really take a chance on this. I, I think they should and they will. And another thing, too, and I think uh, not to overemphasize the way that certain media pitches what is going on. And, yes, it is very real. We're losing people, sadly. But I still feel that when you look at the survival rate versus those that unfortunately lose, they say you, there's a good possibility we know somebody with this. Unfortunately, I lost my uncle to this. But one thing I will say is that the survival rate is huge compared to the death rate which pales in comparison and i think it's our responsibility to keep that at the forefront of my mind because you know with with a lot of agendas they i i don't like to use the word fear-mongering but they do know how to make us worry and feel controlled and i feel that in a country that's so diverse and you know with so many goal-driven people we have to come out of it and we have to continue to live our lives we cannot afford to be the how do I say this properly? A prisoner to this, not not irresponsibly. We you know we did our due diligence to shut down, but I feel that within the next month and a half to two months we are gonna come out of this and we're gonna start reopening. Yeah, because l- we, let's play we ball. Have to. Let's play ball. Let's we try to, to figure this out. And you know if if we we try to figure this out as a country and as uh, as the MLB as an or, as an organization and we fail, um, then we fail. But we have to try. That's what we do. So I, I think that's the right thing to do, but uh, you know who am I? I'm confident that that, that it's going to be, it's it will be salvaged. More so confident with football, just because of the sheer fact that they're ahead of it. They have time. It, yeah, they have, they time have time, and time's on their side. But I do think baseball can be salvaged. I really do. I think it's it's a really complex issue that's way above our pay grade. That's exactly right. And um, I think we all agree, though, that we hope things can return to normalcy as soon as possible and safely. We all miss sports, and hopefully, hope is the key word. We, we just hope it all gets back to regular as soon as we can. Exactly. So, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, that's where we'll, we'll tie this one off. Uh, but it was, it was good to be back on the mics with you guys, and, um, you know, we had a lot going on. Like I said, I bought a house, Elliot had a, had a child, and Richie's about to buy a house, and then COVID shut the world down. So, you know, it's good to be back with you guys and, 
sharing our feelings and thoughts on sports and um, you know everything in general so thanks for joining us and, and Richie Elliot thanks for, for making this happen guys I appreciate it thank sure. you we're excited about uh, day two of the draft gonna be yeah. exciting tonight we'll make some uh, some guesses and we'll have some discussions about it and uh, hopefully it pans out well for each of our teams and guys thanks again for listening and we'll catch up with you guys as soon as possible uh, we'll try to get back together um, and, and do another show for you guys as quickly as possible uh, but it also it has to be uh, as safely as possible for us as well. Uh, but, guys, thanks again. Appreciate it. We'll catch up with you guys next time. Stay safe.